0: I don't know if you have ever done something you regret. I don't know, or let me rephrase, I don't know what it is that you regret in life. Um, Some of them are bigger regrets than others. I don't know what you've done that you wish you hadn't. I don't know what you didn't do that you wish you had. Or what you have been through that makes you somehow feel unworthy or unqualified but there is a there's a story in scripture there's a hidden hero named rahab who every time you hear her name you identify her with her occupation and for whatever reason she became what we know her for. But her story and her obedience to God and the the men she helped and the nation that she benefited and the God she believed in and the person she became and the future she gained is a story worth telling. A little background. You may or may not already be familiar with the fact that the Israelites were in Egypt for 400 years. Started off well. They were given prime real estate, but eventually they became enslaved. And God calls Moses in the second third of his life to, to go and cause Pharaoh to let his people go. The, if you're a, a history lover, that would have been approximately the year 1446. BC. So they leave Israel. God does incredible things for them. They get all the way to the the Jordan River, and just beyond that Jordan River is the promised land, and they turn back. We won't go into that whole story, but they turn back. They don't trust God. They fear the people of the land more than they trusted God, and so God causes them to wander in their wilderness for another 40 years. And everybody who was supposed to have gone into the promised land, everybody that had been freed from Egypt, died in the wilderness, including their leader Moses, except for two men, Joshua and Caleb, because they had the faith in God to be able to go over into the Canaan land. And so here we are now in the setting of the book of Joshua. We're going to be in two chapters in the book of Joshua, it's in the Old Testament. It's a story of the conquest of the promised land Canaan Israel today mostly and you have 40 years have transpired now you have a new leader named Joshua and they're near the Jordan River again and they now the year is 1406 subtract 40 years and they have sent spies in to kind of find out what the heart of the people are two guys These two guys go into Jericho, which was the first city they were supposed to conquer in Canaan, and they end up in the house of Rahab, and Rahab lived on the wall, in the wall. Her house was part of the structure that protected the city. She was a Canaanite. She was a woman. She was a prostitute. I don't know how they ended up in her house. But she was not what your typical Israelite would have wanted to be with. And here's what I love about this story. Is that it shows us that God loves to use the unlikely and the unsuspecting. So how are we doing? Like I don't know what it is in your life that you're like, man, I just hope never, nobody ever finds out about that. Right? I don't know if there's this thing about you that you just feel like you can't get over. I don't know if there's this, this history that you have and you're like, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I am who I am, but I'm never gonna be what I know God wants me to be because of all, listen, you have this Jerichoan, this gal who had a bad reputation, who we're about to learn all about and God's supposed to do something really great here and God loves to use the unlikely and the unsuspecting. Not only is he able to use anyone, he loves to use those who are unlikely and unsuspecting. And here's, a, here's just a little side thought. I'm not sure that it was happenstance that they found Rahab. I think there was something in her heart that desired the God that she heard about. And maybe it could be, I don't know, I don't have any biblical evidence, but maybe it could be But I read it somewhere, so it's probably true. That God knew her heart and sent them to her specifically. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Maybe God saw Rahab and sent the spies to save Rahab specifically. I love the idea of that. So don't ruin it for me. So she helps the spies by hiding them and the king finds out they come in the city and he demands that she give them up. And so we start reading in Joshua chapter two, verses four and five, and it says, then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said to the king now, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from and it happened As the gate was being shut, when it was dark, that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. So here's the moment. Here's the moment in her life when she risked it all. She risked her life, her family's life, in order to help these spies because it was their God that she was turning to and trying to benefit from. She may not have known it at that at that point in time, but that's what we call a step of faith. because she did not know that that taking that risk was going to lead to everything that is about to happen in her life. She was just looking for a way to save her family. And here's the amazing thing about this story right here, is that she knew just enough about God to trust him. Think how beautiful this is, that she did not know everything there was to know about the God of the Israelites. She knew just enough about him to place her trust in him. That ought to encourage us who feel like we don't know a lot about the Bible who are maybe new to this whole Christian faith, or maybe we're not sure why we can't do this, or maybe what God means about this, or we can't explain the Trinity. And it's hard for us to understand that God has always been. Maybe we don't understand everything about God. She did not know everything about the God of the Hebrews. She only knew enough to trust him. She didn't know as much as you know. Hello. She knew enough to place her trust in him. So let's see what she did know. We're gonna read a couple verses here as she is explaining to the spies why she wants to help them. She says in verse nine, I know that the Lord, I know. See, this is what she knows. I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. That's what she said. I know this. And then she goes on in verse 10, and then now she includes the whole city. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. She goes on, and as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted "'Neither did there remain any more courage "'in anyone because of you. "'For the Lord, your God, "'he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath.'" She knew that much about God, that these spies were worth helping. Like, I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna look at the odds here. I don't know much about your God. I know that he's powerful, And if I'm going to pick sides here, I want to choose your God. And you may say, well, that's not a very good reason to follow Jesus. Not a bad one either. I follow Jesus honestly because I heard a message when I was nine years old that explained what hell was like. And that's not someplace I wanted to go. And that's how I came to Jesus and it stuck. I'm still a Jesus follower and I realize now there's a whole lot more to this that's a lot more beneficial than just not the negative. But the truth of the matter is there is a good reason to follow Jesus that are a lot better than just staying out of hell but that's not a bad one. And that's what she's saying. Like like, I don't know much but here's what I do know. And that's why I choose to follow this path. She knew that what she had been trusting wasn't enough to save her. All of Jericho knew the Israelites were coming. Matter of fact, they were preparing for the attack, right? They were fortifying the walls. She had heard the stories about God just like everybody else. It was obvious to her and all of the people that there was a reason to be afraid because this God that had done all these incredibly miraculous things was more powerful and greater than all the gods that they served. And something in her wanted what they had. She had heard. And again, this is what blows me away. Like it She did not know much, but she knew enough to decide, I want to land on this side of the equation. And so from this belief, so she does this stuff to help these men. And so here's here's what she says. She's pretty brazen, pretty bold. In verse 12, she says this, Now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, Since I have shown you kindness, that you will also show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. That shows you where her heart is. Like I am helping you and I know that you're gonna win and I'm simply asking you because I've done this great thing for you to save my family. And the men agree. They give her three conditions. She said, we'll save you and your family if you have this scarlet cord hung out of the window of the wall. And there's a whole message there. But you put this scarlet cord, you leave it out of your window and we'll know know where you are, we'll be able to identify you. And then you, you have to have your family with you. We're not gonna go looking for them. They have to be in the house with you and we will save whoever is in that house, and you can't tell anybody our business. Those are the three conditions. And she agrees. The men leave. Chapter three, you have the Israelites crossing over Jordan. Another incredible miracle there. God held back the river Jordan, and they, drive, they, they walked across. Then in chapter four, they're building a memorial, they're, they're stacking up 12 stones so that they can tell future generations about what happened here. And then in chapter 5, you see God renewing his covenant with the Israelites by demanding that all of the men get circumcised. Now, here's just a crazy thought. They're about to go into battle, and God tells them to get circumcised. Yeah, I know. It's like, how, what? What? I'm going to be, like, useless for at least a couple of days here. (laughs) Like, I ain't moving. And I'm in enemy territory. It's called faith. Because I was thinking, like, why didn't God do that when they were on the other side of the Jordan? He waited until they were on this side of the Jordan, where they would be incapacitated for a few days before they could go into battle to renew his covenant with them. That was chapter 5. And then chapter six starts off this way to give you the attitude of what's happening in Jordan here. I'm sorry, Jericho here. Verse one says this, now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. They're not not going against the Israelites. They are in a defensive mode here. God, and, and here's what's crazy. So God comes to Joshua, the leader, and he tells them this game plan that is just crazy. God just does not ever seem to do things conventionally. Have you noticed that? Like God just never does things conventionally. So, so God tells them, here's my game plan for defeating Jericho. Jericho is known for its incredible walls. Like you're just not going to come up against this city. So what they do, God says, I want you to march around the city one time a day for six days. But here's the hardest thing. He said, you can't say a word can't talk to each other you can't talk about what you're doing once you get in formation you don't say a word and all they literally did was march around now you have to understand like there's archers up on the wall there's there's people who live in the wall maybe they were being made fun of maybe they were hurling things at them if you watch veggie tales they're probably throwing things (laughs) at them as they're marching around the wall right They're embarrassed because they're not actually defeating anybody. They're just like walking, but they can't say anything. And on the seventh day, God tells them to, to march around it seven times and then blow the trumpets and shout, and the walls fall down, and they do. And God gives a great victory. And I don't know at what point did the Jerichoans realize that something is happening. Like they wake up and there's some dust on their furniture because the walls are starting to crumble. I don't know. You know, at what point did they realize that maybe there's something to this plan? I don't know. But but I'm sure that the that the Israelites felt pretty silly winning a victory by just marching around. But that's exactly how God brought the victory to them. So then Joshua tells the two spies that went in, "Go get Rahab and her family." And I love that he remembered and I love that God delivered them because here's the truth. God blesses the faith we act upon. We see that God did not forget his promise and he saw the faith that she showed from the knowledge that she had and her family was saved. God blesses the faith we act upon. And here's here's what I wanna drive home right here. God did not bless the knowledge that she had. He blessed what she did with the faith that she had. And I don't, I don't want to belittle Bible study. I don't want to, I don't want to make anybody feel um, uh, wrong or inadequate because you just want to learn more stuff about the Bible. I think that's all beautiful. But can I encourage you to not just learn for the sake of learning, that you learn to change your life, that you learn to find out how to be obedient in your life, to where what you are learning is actually making a difference in the life that you live. And you're actually able to do more for the kingdom of God because of what you are putting into practice because of what you're learning. Here you have Rahab. She knew very little about God, taking a huge act of faith, a huge step of faith. And God did not bless the amount of knowledge that she had. God blessed the faith that she showed. And what a lesson to us. She helped the spies at great risk to herself. Her decision changed the trajectory of her life forever. So we'll sum it up this way Her knowledge did not save her, her faith did. And here's the difference between head and heart. You may have gone to church all your life, you know the story of Jesus, you've taken communion. You may have even been baptized. Like you know all about, you know all the stories, you know all the, but there's no change here. And that 18 inches makes a big difference. And Rahab only knew a little bit about God, but she acted upon what she knew and that's what God blessed. She may have even had an incomplete understanding of who God was. She may have only known enough to see that he was the true God. I'm working with a a client right now. And he is new to the faith. And he's a friend of mine and we put an offering on a house. And we've negotiated back and forth. And he told me Friday, he said, said, I'm just going to leave this up to the Lord. He said, I want this to be something that God does for me. I don't want to make it happen. And I thought, man, that's, here's a young believer learning about prayer. We talk about prayer every week and, and how to do it and be specific and all this kind of stuff. And he said, Eric, I just don't want to make this happen. I want to know that this was something that God did. Come on. How are we doing? Like we we live our whole life trying to make everything happen. We live like Christian atheists. Like we know we're going to heaven. We got Jesus in our heart, but he doesn't have anything to do with me at work. He doesn't change my behavior to my spouse. He has no interest in how I parent. I'm saying he does. Like I'm saying, I'm saying the knowledge you have is not the same as the faith we're supposed to show. And I'm begging you this morning to ask yourself: Where in your life are you showing a little bit of faith? Like where? Because faith is what pleases God, not the fact that you can say all of the books of the Bible backwards in order. You can even spell Ecclesiastes right. Come on, like that's wonderful. But how, where in your life are you exercising faith? Where is it in your life that you're like, okay, God, this is what I know about you and you've asked me, right here, I'm gonna take that step. Can I tell you two areas of life that will be very, very revealing to you? Your checkbook and your calendar. Your checkbook and your calendar. If you can't trust God in your finances and you're not taking a step of faith in your finances, are you really trusting God at all? Because that's really low-hanging fruit. That's like, that's like right where it starts. And then let's take a look at your calendar. What are you doing for the Lord on a regular basis that requires some faith? Your checkbook and your calendar. Otherwise, all we're doing is just you know, increasing in knowledge. And knowledge is not what God blesses. God blesses faith. And God blessed Rahab because of the faith that she showed. I love this right here. Verse 23, and the young men who had been spies, went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. That was a little awkward. Like, we're gonna leave them out? Well, they were unclean, right? They were Canaanites. They can't come in yet, right? But then check out what he says in the end of verse 25. He says this, So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. This is what makes me so happy, is that God completely redeems. Like, God doesn't just take her out of the city. God redeemed her completely. Like that last part of that verse, verse 25, and she dwells in Israel to this day. Rahab does, didn't just get to leave Jericho. She wasn't just left in the land of Canaan. She was accepted and assimilated into the life and culture of Israel, God saved her soul. He saved her family. He saved her life, and He saved her future. And I love this so much. Rahab already had a past. God gave her a future. She took a step of faith with the knowledge that she had, and she had this past. And God's like, "Yeah, just wait. Right? Let me show you the future." Let me show you what that step of faith is going to do. So here's what happened Rahab married a gentleman by the name of Salmon. Salmon and Rahab had a son named Boaz. And Boaz is a key figure in the book of Ruth. And Boaz knew what it was like to have a mama that had to be assembled in the culture. And Boaz accepted Ruth as a wife. And then Boaz and Ruth had a son named Obed. And Obed had a son named Jesse, who was the father of King David. And 25 generations later, Jesus was born of the lineage of David, whose great-great-great-great-grandmother was Rahab the harlot, You have a past, but God wants to give you a beautiful future. And it wasn't the knowledge of God that she had. It was the faith that she showed. And I don't know what it is in your life that you regret or wish you hadn't done or where you are right now, but God takes a look at the life that you have and he sees the beautiful future he has ready for you. But what I'm seeing here in this part of the story is that her redemption would not have been complete if it had not included God's people because God's redemptive plan involved God's people. God takes a pagan prostitute who shows a measure of faith, the, 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 the heroine of this whole story, and makes her a part of his people, And then makes her one of the folks responsible for getting Jesus here. That was intentional. God completely redeems, but let me tell you this redeemed people should be redeeming. We rejoice when somebody comes to Jesus. But Rahab needed to not only become a Jew, she needed to be accepted by the Jews. Her redemption involved God's people because because she bought into the Israelites God. But at some point, in order for her to become a Jew, she had to embrace their culture and their beliefs and somebody had to help her with all of that. And can we address this issue in the church? Those who have been redeemed should be in the business of redeeming. So let me tell you what that's gonna mean. That means it's going to get uncomfortable because they're going to say bad words. Now, pardon me, but when my friends say bad words, it makes me happy because I don't want all my friends to be good Christians. I want to be part of the redeeming process. And so some of my folks, some of of my good friends, like they may not even know any better yet, and that makes me happy because I feel like I'm actually trying to help Jesus do what he's doing in their life. Sometimes it's gonna be uncomfortable just like it was right there about 20 seconds ago. And sometimes when you are partnering with Jesus Christ to redeem people, it gets messy. Sometimes you smell like a sheep because you're hanging around people who are trying to follow Jesus. But can we fully realize our redemption if we are not in the business of redeeming, if we are not spending time with people, if we're not mentoring people, if we're not trying to help people figure out what it looks like to be a Jesus follower, I mean, that means we have to love as we've been loved. That means that we need to forgive as we've been forgiven. We need to include as we've been included. We need to accept as we have been accepted because we are just an extension of Jesus Christ. Let me just say this, most people are loved into life change. They're not condemned into it. They're not judged into it. They're loved into life change, which takes time and takes patience, but it's who we're called to be. But let me just say this, it's hard to love people that you don't know. So, (laughs) Rahab had to be somebody's neighbor, right? Rahab had to go to the same synagogue as somebody else. Rahab needed to, you know, go to the well and, and get water and have conversations with other Jewish ladies. Rahab had to, you know, drop her kid off and be part of the PTA program, right? Rahab had to go and go shopping with somebody. Rahab had to learn all this stuff. And so it took. It wasn't just Rahab having faith in God. For Rahab to be fully redeemed, she had to be fully assimilated into the culture of the Jewish people. And somebody had to be a part of that. So who do you have in your life that you're working with Jesus to get closer to him? You're like, Eric, I, I, just, I don't know enough to do that. Neither do I. Like I'm learning this stuff every day. Like, like we're on this journey together. We're, it's, not that, it's not that you're the know-it-all and they, they're the know-nothing and you're just trying to, no, we're just in this journey together. We are praying about this together. We're working on this together. We are, we are part of the redeeming process of Jesus Christ, redeeming this world and building his kingdom. It's part of our job as a church, as Virginia Hills Church, to put out not just a warm welcome, but to invite people over. To go out for lunch. Have a Monday faith instead of just a Sunday faith. Who took that time with Rahab? Who took that time with you? Who are you taking time with? God did not redeem us to just benefit ourselves. He redeemed us to be redeeming other people. You've been given much. You've been forgiven much. That's our job. Can you take five minutes this morning before you leave to get to know somebody? Maybe just, hey, how can I pray for you? Hey, you want to go have lunch or a brunch or want to come over sometime? Just take five minutes. Get to know somebody Do life with somebody. Ask the Lord to point somebody out to you. Don't feel weird if everybody comes up to you, though, all right? Just maybe the first three people weren't listening. Let me show you this lineage just so you know that I wasn't lying. This is Matthew chapter one, and this is Matthew giving us a lineage of Jesus Christ. This is verses five and six. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Don't you love how she's included? You think that was a mistake? Look at all these other men's names up there. God threw her in to let us know. This is my gal right here. This is my gal. This is, this is, I want everyone to see this. I'm proud of this woman. All right? Because of the great knowledge she had. No, because of the great faith that she had. Salmon begot Boaz by Ruth. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. I don't, I don't know that. that's right. Obed, yeah, that's right. Obed begat. <laughs> it's scripture. It's right, okay, we got Jesse. And Jesse begot. I'm sorry, Jesus. Like God just left the room. Uh, and Jesus begot David the king. And then, of course, he's the great, 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 great 25 times of Jesus Christ. And I'll finish with this story Rahab wasn't just redeemed, she was family. And we have a good God. Rahab. Every time you say her name, you want to say the, and that's how you identify her. God's like, nah, she's mine. She's part of my family. So are you. So are they. Let's be in the business of redeeming. Let's, Let's actively be part of the redemptive process of Jesus Christ. And I don't know where you are at this morning, but everybody has an expiration date on their milk carton of life. Okay? I don't know when that is for you, but I believe that at some point in your life, before that expiration date gets here, you need to realize the fact that you need Jesus. Jesus. And we're going to have folks praying with you right up here after the service. Scott and Dean are going to come up here, and that's why they're here. Just have those conversations with you to pray with you. And if you'd like to know Jesus this morning, that's why we're here. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we love you. Thank you for this incredible story, the beautiful redemption of Rahab that included your people. and I pray you would just help us to be a redeeming people. And thank you for giving us an incredible future in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.